and welcome to NSTA, The Bus Stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association, and I am Kurt Mackison, the Executive Director. And in today's membership update, the October edition of NSTA 64 hit your inboxes this week. And it contains a lot of great content about National School Bus Safety Week and all the fine activities that we've done at NSTA to celebrate National School Bus Safety Week. And if you'd like to advertise in NSTA 64 or on NSTA, the Bus Stop podcast, you can follow along at www.yellowbuses.org. If you go to our homepage, you'll find an ad rate sheet at the bottom right-hand corner. Once again, www.yellowbuses.org and look for the ad rate sheet in the bottom right-hand corner. Now, today at the Bus Stop, we have another repeat guest. That's Mike Burke. He's executive director of the Pennsylvania School Bus Association. So, Mike, welcome back to NSTA, the bus stop. Hey, thanks, Kurt. It's great to, good to be back. Good. Um, so I think, you know, our listeners would like to hear, and they do like to hear, the latest developments that are going on, you know, statewide and regionally. So what's going on in, in Pennsylvania? Are schools open for in-class learning? Are they still doing all remote or is there a hybrid schedule that they've adopted? So if I answered yes, I think that would probably just, we could move on. But yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> you know, it, like a number of states out there, many states, you know, there are so many different areas in Pennsylvania, rural, urban, suburban, and the experience with the pandemic has been different based on really popula- population density. So, you know, in dealing with schools, some schools have have opened for in-class learning because the incidence rate of, of COVID has been fairly low, while others have are on remote learning or on a hybrid schedule. And, and some, you know, as cases have arisen, have, have had uh, gone from, you know, in-person or hybrid over to remote and back. And so, as, as you know, school bus contractors, uh, as a result, have had to be very flexible and, and be there to provide the services as needed. Now, in terms of flexibility, what's the status of contractors getting paid uh, in Pennsylvania? Are, are you still having challenges in that area? Yeah, certainly we are. And, you know, this is and part of the emphasis that we've been ha- uh, placing in our, in our conversations with legislators and in the message that we're putting out really public about our industry and the good things we do and, and the work we've been doing even prior to opening of school and and while the pandemic is occurring. Yeah, we we do. We have a mixed bag, again, of contractors getting paid, some not. I think, you know, we've got in situations where they're going on, even in person, they're doing a four-day schedule uh, or a three or four-day schedule. So they might be going a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, taking off on a Wednesday for cleaning. And one of the issues that we're having or challenges that we're having is maintaining a workforce. You know, the driver shortage was a challenge, everybody knows, prior to, to COVID. Now, you know, trying to maintain a workforce and telling your drivers that I, you know, we may not be able to pay you for the fifth day. They're starting to look elsewhere. And so that is one of the issues that we're emphasizing, particularly when we speak with legislators and we talk about our funding concerns. You know, we want to make sure we have a ready workforce. And we do know that, you know, at some point, you know, we will get back to what we hope will be a normal schedule. And, you know, we'll, we'll have a vaccine. Things will hopefully calm down and we'll be able to resume full in-person schedules, and they're going to need to have buses. And, you know, in Pennsylvania, over 1.5 million children, which is about 90% of our K-12 student population, ride a bus each day. And so it's important that 
we have those drivers in the seats ready to go. So it is a concern for us. Yeah. And you mentioned the simple fact of stability and one of the attractions, you know, to the industry for drivers in particular was the stability of the industry. And what we've seen with the COVID-19 pandemic is that's been chipped away, you know, somewhat. And you mentioned the the usual shortage of uh, school bus drivers and this kind of exacerbates you know, that issue, you know, for you. Oh, definitely. It definitely does. And, and you know, from what I heard from a lot of our contractors, they did get, you know, we were worried about how many of our drivers would return, you know, because many of them are in high risk, are in a high risk category, or, you know, whether they're concerned about family members, spouses, et cetera, at home. And many of them, if not most, if not all came back, there were very few. But what we're finding is that the concern of having a sustained income is a problem. And, you know, it takes eight to 10 weeks to train a driver. By the time you get them screened, you know, and get them through the training in PA and get them on the road. And so we don't even, I'm hearing from a lot of contractors who normally have candidates in the pipeline going through training they don't even have those in the pipeline because folks are looking at this who may want to drive and saying, I don't know if I want to do this if I can't be guaranteed I'm going to have a sustainable income right now. So we're very concerned about losing a very good veteran workforce with an excellent safety track record, while at the same time, we've got nobody in the pipeline to take their place. Yeah. And just so listeners are aware, something that we're working on together, along with the other state associations, and that's a school bus only CDL that we've sent a letter to FMCSA. So NST has sent a letter to FMCSA, and they're treating that as a petition for rulemaking. So hopefully, Mike, we'll get some traction on that in the near future, uh, because I do think it will help somewhat. Won't won't be the, you know silver bullet here, but it will help us somewhat in terms of the school bus driver shortage. I can tell you, Kirk, that that would be a major bonus. I just had a contractor call me, uh, actually uh, sent me an email the other day. Uh, We got on the phone and uh, she and I were talking about that. And, you know, being able to have a school bus only CDL and that would bring for us be a major help. Definitely. Yeah. So more to come on that. Now, I, I know that you guys have a very strong advocacy side. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit of what you're doing legislatively these days in your thrust to assist contractors? Sure. So we, since August, we, uh, in August, we initiated a virtual lobby day. We met with about, between August and September, about 15 to 20 legislators in our state Senate and state House of Representatives in the, the chairs of the key committees, transportation appropriations and education, as well as leadership, Speaker of the House, Majority Leader on both House and Senate, Minority Leaders. We we met with the Democrats and Republicans, pretty much touched base with all of them, as well as a few other legislators who have been supportive of us throughout you know, the past number of years. And our message to them was pretty much the things we discussed, which was, you know, in, in Pennsylvania, a little background quickly, they passed the state budget in June, at the end of June. Uh, Our fiscal year runs July through June. Part of that budget, only a small section of the state budget was approved for 12 months. The rest was approved for five months because of COVID and understanding they would need to come back and review where they were at on on a number of those programs. Education was one of those, K-12, was one of the items approved for 12 months. And pupil transportation, what we do, was included as well. And the rationale provided to us as to why that was done by leadership was because they wanted to provide steady, solid infrastructure 
for education. They didn't want to leave anything in doubt. They knew that education would have its ups and downs as far as opens, closes, and there would be some, I want to say, some rocky going along the way because of COVID. And they wanted to make sure that the foundation was firm and that the funding would be there through the 12 months. So our ask when we talk to legislators is not for anything new. We're not looking for CARES Act money or anything of that sort. We're simply looking for the state to allow the money that's been um, allocated for, for pupil transportation that would be allocated as if we had normal funding for a normal year to be allocated based on that basis. So we've had very good meetings. We've had very supportive, folks are very supportive of what we do and of the contractors. And so what we're doing now is we're really in, we actually have four state senators who have agreed to co-sponsor legislation for us. And we put out a call to action last week and this week again. We've got many additional state senators who have signed on to that bill or to that, who have agreed to sign on to that bill once the legislation is drafted. And we have others that are still waiting to hear back from. But our members have done an amazing job of making phone calls and sending emails and really uh, following up with their legislators. But that's what we've done. And we've done that through talking through them through legislative meetings that we've held with legislators and staff. We've We've actually uh, attended fundraisers for various legislators, so we've had a chance to to talk with them, and most of them have been virtual because of COVID. So that's what we're trying to do on the advocacy side, and we've been very pleased and very happy with the support that we're getting. Now, probably a good time to mention that on November 18th, NSTA will be hosting another in its Flash webinar series. This one will be the future of you know student transportation funding in the state. Mike, you're going to be one of the panelists on that uh, program. So we don't want to give away too much. Uh, so folks uh, do sign up for the November 18th webinar, and that's at 12 noon Eastern time, and registration material will be circulated to everyone. But in terms of putting a face on these virtual meetings and Zoom calls, can you give the listeners just a little taste of what that looks like? Sure, absolutely. So when we do the calls with our legislators, and we do like to make them Zoom meetings because we like to get everybody's faces up on the screen. We, we just find it's, we did the phone calls back in March when we had the pandemic, because honestly, at that point, it was, a uh, everything was happening on, at such a quick pace that we didn't, and I don't honestly think any of us were prepared for the virtual world that was ahead of us. So we did a lot of those were done by phone. We did all these via Zoom and it was helpful to see everyone up on the screen, be able to, to just survive all each other. What we did was we brought on just our officers. We took our officers and actually the chair and vice chair of our legislative committee. Our, our chair of our, our legislative committee is, is our first vice president, but we also brought on our vice chair of our legislative committee. And we also invited in our solicitor, Rich Kelly, because Rich deals with a lot of contractors around the state. And these were basically 30 minutes because that's pretty much all you can get from a lot of these folks. But we made sure that we had organized our sort of our speaking assignments. We wanted to make sure we left a lot of time for the legislators and their staff to ask questions. And really, we always wanted to make sure that we had an ask involved and we didn't want it to leave. And if there was you know, any question, we always made sure that there was a follow-up to it. There's always a thank you. We, we sent emails following those, but uh, they were very, they were pretty much 30 minute time slots 
Often we did three or four in, in one day, but they worked out really well. And mostly they were led by our legislative chair and wrapped up by our president with a thank you. But it, they worked out very well. Often there was follow-up between our lobbyist and their staff or their lobbyist and myself and their staff. But that's how we, we ran the Zoom calls. And for our members in the grassroots, you know, for them, it was just, you know, here's, you know, we would often follow up and say, we've met with the following legislators. We'd appreciate if any of these legislators are in your district, you know, represent where you operate, please can follow up with them, thank them for talking to us and let them know that, you know, they represent your area. And one of the key distinctions there, Kurt, that we found was helpful and, and, our, and our contractor, our members are doing this, is not just where you have your facility, not where your, your bus yard is or your barn is, wherever your operations are. So if you, you know, if you live, if your operations are in one town, but you live in another town represented by a different legislator, you know, reach out to all of them or you bus kids in a school district or in several school districts represented by other state reps and state senators, call them all because you're impacting students and families in all of those areas. And so as a result, we've had contractors calling three or four different state senators or three or four different state representatives because they're now not only talking to folks where they live and work, but it's where they deliver their services. And so we've expanded the scope of contact. And the members have really taken ownership of that. Yeah, that's a, a lot of good insight there, Mike, in terms of the Zoom calls. And like I said, we'll, we'll get into much, much more on November 18th. Now, as we wind down, I realize this is an election year in Pennsylvania. So what offices are actually up for election? How does that impact contractors? And when will your new legislature reconvene in Harrisburg? Yeah. Okay. Well, so on the state side, we have a three row officers up. The governor is not. He is term limited, and this will be the, he's coming upon, I believe, the last two years of his term, but state treasurer, auditor general, and attorney general all up. Our auditor general was term limited, so he is actually running for Congress, but we have a state treasurer and state attorney general are both uh, running for their, their next uh, terms. In the General Assembly, all 203 members of the state house are up for election, and 25 of, well, half of the Senate, so 25 of the 50 seats in the state Senate are up for election. So we'll be watching those to see, you know, how those turn out. Uh, the legislature will come back in November. I believe it's the 10th, I believe. But we'll come back after the elections. We're not sure for how long they'll be back. We're still hearing mixed messages on that. But they are going to come back for, for some period of time. They do, they are scheduled to normally do their, so we are coming at the end of a two-year legislative session. Uh, November 30th is the end of this legislative session. And we will then, the, the legislature will then reconvene in January for a brand new two-year legislative session. So anything that's not acted upon uh, by the end of November will need to be reintroduced in January. So Obviously, for us, we've got an interest in getting something done by the end of November. And so we're really pushing in that direction. So it'll be interesting to see how things turn out. Yeah. And, and you know, good luck with the election. Hope uh, that all the supporters that you have in the legislature are back in Harrisburg for a new term. And then finally, Mike, does PSBA have any specific plans to hit the ground running when the legislature reconvenes? Yeah, we do. So obviously... Reconvening in two different ways. When they reconvene to finish this session, 
We do. And and we're trying to work on that right now because we obviously have a specific goal in mind to try to get some legislation passed to, to assist the contractors. So before this session is over, yeah, we, we're working on some strategy now to try to, to get together with uh, and, and try to get something done. So more to come on that. We're just trying to figure out what that schedule looks like. And we're, we're in conversations now with, with some legislators as to how we can make that happen. Moving ahead to January for the new session, what we have started to do is every two years when the led, well, every year this year, we didn't get a chance to do it because of COVID. We do like to have or hold in, in the Capitol, usually in March, because that's when things start to settle out a little bit and they're just starting to get working on budget. We like to hold a, a reception in the um, over in the Capitol, sort of a breakfast reception and we invite, we identify and target all the new legislators who come into town. And at that point, they've had a chance to settle in, get through all their orientations, get their committee assignments. And then we identify, and we also invite uh, members of the committees to which we do a lot of work. So we always have some particular interest in identifying and working with the new legislators, letting them, introducing PSBA to those folks. And then also once the committee reassignments are done, meeting all the members of the education, transportation, appropriations committees, because they're the ones that really are, are most important to us. And particularly if there are new members to those committees, we do like to uh, talk with them and meet with them and um, and make sure they understand who we are and let them know that if they have any questions, school transportation, that uh, we're happy to help them out. Great. And once again, Mike Burke, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania School Bus Association. Now you can join us both for the NSTA flash webinar on the future of student transportation in the state. Once again, that's November 18th at noon. You'll get this and much more information from Mike and our other panelists. So Mike, thanks again for the information dropping by, being a great guest on NSTA, the bus stop. Hey, Kurt, I appreciate it. It's always good to be with you, man. Thanks for everything. Mm -hmm.